Hi, everybody. Welcome to That's Life, where we are back from Pesach, and hopefully, by the time Shavuos rolls around, I will have found where I stashed my tea kettle. So far, it is missing in action. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday right after Allison and right before Nachum's live lunch that will start approximately in about a half an hour. Welcome to everyone, and... I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit because I usually do this in a few minutes. But hi, ZK. You need a mic for that. Yeah, hi. Thank you. <laughs> it's nice to have you. Good morning. How are you? How's it going? It's um, it's funny sitting here with you in New York when usually if one of us has a mic and you're here. We're actually in Israel. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's been a it's been a long uh, a month or so. <laughs> Has it even been a month? Has it been a month? Are we back a month? Um, Including Yentif. No, from when we left. Let's see. Uh, I don't even know the dates. About a month. Just about a month. That's crazy. That's crazy. It has been uh, a world... It has been a whirlwind is what it has been, but uh, it is nice to see you. We are coming to you from the home of the Nachum Segal Network on the beautiful Lower East Side of Manhattan. I am joined by ZK, who's behind the board. Boker Tov to Danny as well and to Avrami. They are around here somewhere. So, Boker Tov to them. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. Follow us on Twitter, Nachum Segal Net, all one word, and Miriam L. Wallach, all one word. I don't feel like a fortune cookie today, folks. I have to be honest with you. And I do want to get through the official national holidays in the United States, though, of course, it is Yom HaShoah, which is um, the center of our program today and uh, the center of, of memorials that have been taking place all week and uh, center of a lot of what we do. But you should just note that here in the United States, it is Celebrate Teen Literature Day, which is evidently always the Thursday of Library Week. ZK, I am sure you are celebrating Library Week with a massive party. A quiet party because we don't make noise in the library. <laughs> it's a silent oh party. Gosh. Yeah. Um, ZK and I will be going on a trip to the library after this show is over. It is High Five Day, so ZK will also be high-fiving people in the library. It's National Stress Awareness Day, of which ZK is the poster child. And it's National Wear Your Pajamas to Work Today, which ZK did not do because he didn't know. You didn't know. You didn't know. I would have known. I would definitely brought my pajamas. That's what I'm figuring. That's what I'm figuring. But it is Yom HaShoah, and it is Holocaust Memorial Day, Remembrance Day, um, both uh, in the United States and uh, and uh, universally, I should say, um, worldwide. And that, um, I, I am, I, I'm already at a loss for words uh, by inviting on this author and welcoming this author to to join me on the air. Um, Jennifer, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you? Thank you for joining Hello. me. Jennifer, I'm gonna, I just want to pronounce your last name correctly. Teague? Teague. Teague. Okay, Jennifer Teague is the author of My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me, A Black Woman Discovers Her Family's Nazi Past. I am sure that many of our listeners have been hearing and been reading about um, Jennifer's Jennifer's book, which... Um, as a person who has read it cover to cover and is completely moved, I am I am Jennifer. I'm one of those readers who basically feels like she has known you her entire life. So oh, thank you. It, this is a real compliment. It is. Um, yeah. And I don't give out compliments too easily. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but it is um, it is a pleasure to have you on. And I thank you for joining me today on the air, especially on Yom HaShoah. So I, I truly ap- appreciate it. Um, for those of you who, there was a piece in Tablet, there's been a piece in, uh, about the, about the book, numerous different, um, numerous different, um, 
media escapes have picked it up and um, to, to great acclaim because the book is worth all of the praise which it has it has been receiving. So I thank you for joining me. Um, I think that my my first question, by the way, just so that I because my German is non-existent, Jennifer, I have to be honest with you. I just want I want to make sure to pronounce your grandfather's last name correctly, because as an American, I, I would be destroying it. So mm-hmm. it, is it Goethe or Gott? I I pronounce it good, but it depends. Like the Polish pronunciation is a bit different. It's shorter. It's good. It people used to say good, but in Germany, we say good. You well, s- I pronounce it good. Gert. Okay, with a hard mm-hmm. T. Yes. Germ. Okay, and and the German, Hebrew, and English are three languages that you speak fluently. Yes, correctly. That uh, <laughs> and I speak French, Spanish. <laughs> and you speak yeah. French after spending yeah. time in high school, right? In yeah, having right. having been in France, yes, you have an yeah. unbelievable story and an unbelievable past, um, which you tell with great emotion and great. Um, transparency throughout the book where um, uh, just to just to invite our listeners into your world for a moment it is the it is the turning point of your life when you remove a book from the shelf and find pictures in that book of your biological mother and grandmother only to discover that Amon Gert um, known as the butcher of Platzau was your grandfather right yeah Yes, I don't know what uh, you already shared with the audience, but maybe just uh, to bring the re- the listeners right back into the moment, it was uh, a few years uh, already ago, and it was a life-changing moment because I was adopted as a child, and I had only limited contact with my biological family. So this very day that you mentioned, I was in the library, and I found this red book with a uh, or this book with a red cover that grabbed my attention, and it actually it had told the story of my biological family. So thereafter, my life was not uh, the way it was before. No, I, I cannot even imagine. You know, there's um, my husband and I joke all the time that we don't hold kids responsible for their parents because otherwise our children would have no friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and reading this book, it only makes me... Um, feel like I want to say that to you that you that throughout the book you talk about your journey of coming to grips with who your biological grandfather was and the physical similarities that you see between yourself and him and your mother and different moments and and how you reconcile with this and and ha- and and all I want to say to you throughout this book is this joke that my husband and I make all the time is that we don't hold people responsible for their parents. No, you shouldn't. But one has to understand. When I found out, it was a it was a shock because I didn't know, and it came so out of the blue. Right. In the very beginning, I was full of irrational thoughts, and um, of course, I know that uh, even though we share the same blood, it doesn't really uh, say anything about my character. Mm. But in the beginning, I was so petrified because we all know the monstrous figure of Amangert, or at least those uh, who have seen the, the movie Schindler's List, and right. uh, millions of people have seen the movie. So did I, and uh, I lived in Israel. So I'm very close to people with Jewish faith, and it was for me difficult to have a person in my biological family uh, who had a character like Amangert. So with the years, I started to understand more and more. And of course, um, my character is not the same, and today I don't have the, the same thoughts. 
but in the beginning it was very it was very difficult to 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 differentiate myself and to distinguish and um yeah there were a lot of conflicts but it was not only the conflict uh, with my grandfather because actually the book is also about the the maternal side like right. my mother about my grandmother the female figures in my uh, family and my biological family played also a really major role by coming to terms with the whole situation. And the book is structured in two ways so that we can, again, bring our listeners in. There is both mm-hmm. you, you speaking in the first person and telling your account of, of things and also uh, almost the silent narrator who is mm-hmm. the, this third person figure who is bringing in side tales and side anecdotes from people with whom you interact, your, your, your brother and your friends, etc., and different people who have had interactions with you so that those anecdotes coincide with where you are in your personal journey. Um, Certainly. I, it's I, not only it's a book about me. Actually, it's a family chronicle, one hmm. could say. Okay. So it tells the story of uh, me, yes, but also the story of my, my biological mother, who is the daughter of Amongert, and the story of my grandmother, and, of course, the story of my grandfather. And for me, it was so important that also others would speak, so my adoptive parents and, of course, my Jewish friends. Right. or historian. Right. So we tried, like my co-author and me, she's a, she's a journalist, a very good journalist. We tried to gather um, the voices together to give people a clear picture. So it was never, um, I never wanted to have a diary out there, you know, a diary in a narcissistic way that would just tell my story. No, I would like people really to understand the complexity of uh, the family and therefore, you, I thought it was the right thing to do it with two narrators. But I also, and I, I completely hear what you're saying, but I also believe that these two narrators and, and the ability for the reader to understand various, um, various angles of this, you know, brings us into a, 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 a closeness and intimacy with you that I don't believe, as the reader, we would have gotten had it just been you speaking Absolutely. the entire time. Absolutely. I thought for me it was important to let um, the reader understand my inner conflict. The inner right. conflict, for example, um, with my grandmother. Um, let people really look inside my heart. But also I knew that we need information, we need background information. So I wanted to have this in the book. But I thought the reader needs to get to know me also in comparison, of course, to my grandfather or to my biological grandfather, so that one can see that uh, history does not need to, to, to continue uh, or the, the, the line did not um, mm. continue. I once said there's no such a thing as Nazi gene, and therefore it was really important for me to paint a clear picture of who I am so that people can look into my soul. And they do. And I started, you know, our time together on the air by saying that I feel like I intimately know you. And I do in a way that I, I as the reader, and this is not a criticism, this to me is a compliment, mm-hmm. is that I felt your pain from, from page one, that, that there was no, the, the emotion, the raw of, yeah. of you expressing and having that second narrator express from that angle all of the emotion and all of the different facets of this complicated story 
Um, yes, there were so many different uh, feelings. First, the, the, the difficult feelings that I had towards my grandfather, I reject him as a person and mm. being so close to someone who did so many evil um, right. things was really difficult to sustain. Then the conflict with my mother, like the anger that I had in the beginning that she didn't tell me anything about this, this family secret. It's a toxic family secret. <laughs> And then the conflict with my grandmother, the the fact that I knew her when I was a child and I dearly loved her and suddenly to find out that she also had this dark side and to understand that she was uh, not my grandmother, like my biological grandmother only, but also the woman who lived uh, outside the concentration camp with Amon Good. This was so difficult for me to accept and to somehow... And these feelings had therapy for 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 a long time sure. to share this this these conflicts with the reader. This was what I wanted uh, to achieve, and and you certainly did. You know, in in speaking about the book itself and about your, I'm going to use this term loosely, character in the book. How mm-hmm. difficult is it for you to speak about yourself in the third person? You know, at at, at a moment like this, because. In a way, it probably helps you to refer to the situation in the third person only um, in a healthy way to distance yourself, but also to look at it in a balanced manner. Yes, it, yeah, like I have more distance now because the, the time passed, but it also depends the situation. And we have today, we have Yom Hashoah, uh, so this is also a, a day that deeply affects me when I lived in Israel I was standing with all um, the other people in, in silence when the parents went up. So this morning when I got up, I was came from a flight from New York to Washington. And to be honest, I, I cried because it was a very emotional day for me. So sometimes um, these emotions come back. But I tried not to let the past have always a grab of me because I think when I look at my mother, who is the second generation, and how she's still haunted by the past Mm. or other um, descendants of perpetrators of the second generation. I don't want to be the same. I want to look ahead. And the last word of the book is hope, because I think it doesn't uh, lead to anywhere. We should not forget, but we should somehow um, try to understand that there's a responsibility. But let's not be haunted all the time by this. But yes, sometimes it comes back and it comes back um, with sadness. But most of the time I'm able to be more distant. And I think I feel that I, I want to teach people something. Mm. And if you're a teacher, you try to explain um, things to, to, to the audience. And this is what I do. And then it's easier to distance myself. Jennifer Teague, she joins us on the air right now. She is the author of My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me, A Black Woman's Disco- Black Woman Discovers her family's Nazi past. It is available on Amazon. It is available absolutely everywhere. It is an internationally best-selling memoir, as as well it should be. You know, you discuss your reaction to Yom HaShoah, and that was something that um, that I had been wondering it, as a child. And this might sound completely, completely ridiculous, but I'll share it anyway. Um, I always found that because I come, I am third, fourth generation American, um, mm-hmm. and had even though my mother always says if people who say they didn't lose anybody in the Holocaust just haven't tried to look hard enough. But we as a family didn't connect to Yom HaShoah like other kids in my class did because my grandparents were not survivors. My great aunts and uncles were not survivors. And so I often found as a child, a a it was 
I don't want to say it was a stretch, but I had to work hard to feel that intimate connection that other kids in my class found because I didn't have a family member. And heaven forbid should I be complaining that I didn't have a family member who who was in the show up. But still, I think you understand what I mean. So but it, couldn't you uh, couldn't you connect just on a human level? Oh, absolutely. I'm not Jewish, but I'd always even before I knew that I'm uh, the biological granddaughter of Amongert, I could connect so much on the human level because I just understood the pain. And um, this is why I think the Yom HaShoah is not only for survivors or people who are Jewish. It's a, it's a remembrance day for the whole world. Absolutely. But on a, as a young child, when I was six mm-hmm. or seven, it was harder for me to grasp the enormity yeah. of the day. So as I got older, it obviously got got easier. But when I was reading your book, I was struck by how how intimate your connection to Yom HaShoah must be and is from a completely different angle from anyone else that I would have ever met. Mm-hmm. And and when you write about um, the connection of, and being in Israel during Yom HaShoah and you say, remembering the Shoah became a national purpose, a central identif- identity establishing element of the state of Israel, which has lost none of its importance today. It strikes me when I look at pictures of, thing, uh, of commemoration of Yom HaShoah in Israel and everyone standing at attention no matter where you are. It speaks the truth. This is part of our identity in Israel and is part of what makes us go. This is such a powerful moment when you're in Israel and you see that whatever happens, people that just stop, you are on the road, you're on the highway and everything, it's just silent. For me, it was when I when I experienced it for the first time, I couldn't believe it. It was so, so powerful. And it shows us that the past is not the past. The past is, 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 is long time gone, but still it has this huge importance for us because we have to learn from the past. So we have to look back to see that we don't um, make the same mistakes again. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a, there were, there were, um, there were numerous moments while I was reading the book that, that, um, that inspired me to pick up my pencil and write notes. You know, I haven't uh, taken a close reading of a book since graduate school, but um, I felt so much interaction and connection with the book that I, I if you could see it now, you'd see post-its and notes all over it. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the moments that, the, the first post-it note that I, that I tagged in the book is when you say, why didn't I discover that I'm the granddaughter of some great Nobel Prize winner? To me, the weight of that sentence, when I think about my own grandparents and when I think about the moment when you realized who your biological grandfather was, it just struck me. It was like, wow, that, you know, the comparison to that is just enormous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it, maybe it showed that it was so difficult because you don't want, have, want to have a figure like Amon Gert in, in, in your family. It's something that I completely reject. So I had to um, somehow come to terms with this. And this is maybe the quote that shows it, and it was so unexpected, and I, wish, I would have wished that it was different, and especially when you imagine that I was adopted, and I had so limited knowledge of my roots, so you fantasize as a child a bit, although I knew a few facts. Still, I, I thought, you know, the, the, the reality might have been a bit uh, brighter, so this was so, yeah, it was so disappointing. And I think, therefore, maybe also the shock um, that I experienced was so severe that actually after I found out for months, I was 
almost unable uh, to leave the house. Mm. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was, um, I was not able to speak to anybody uh, except my husband and to my therapist. I, the, the shock value, just, just hearing the story, just reading parts of it as a, as a third person, as a third party is enormous. Uh, just being at that moment in the library, I, I, I wonder at any moment, did you say, I wish I would have never picked up that book mm, or did no. you? <laughs> I, I always knew that uh, this was also a gift because mm. the power of the family secret, if it's dark, is so, so strong and when you lift a secret, then the toxic power eventually will go. And this is what happened to me. So the depression that I suffered for half of my life, today we're gone. So, and I had this uh, feeling from the very beginning that finding this book would give me answers to so many questions that, were, that I had in my head. So I knew. And people sometimes ask me, what did you uh, want to achieve with the book? What do you want that readers can uh, take away when they read the book? There's no uh, such a thing as one answer. I really want that they start think, to think. And when I heard that you put the notes in the book, um, I loved it because <laughs> this is actually the best picture one could paint. So you start to, to think and uh, uh, also, I think it can it speaks to 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 people on so many levels because it's a book about history, but also about adoption, about right. um, identity. Identity is one of the main subjects that I tackle. Where do we come from? Where do we go? And maybe also, what is family? Right. You know, is family something that we build? That was family something that we choose. That's another great line. That is another wonderful line in the book. I'm telling you, you'd see this. It's like. Uh, I, Almost like an editor, I doctored the whole thing up, but not in a bad way, just in a in an intimate kind of connecting with the book with the book way. My uh, my engineer is sitting here going, "Yeah, you're you didn't you're not kidding because there are tabs all over the place." <laughs> and that's how you start this chapter six. What is family? Is it something we inherit or something we build? And there's there's so much to be said about that. But I wonder when you look at your family tree, if you had to describe your family tree, how far would it go back, and who would it include, or does it include everybody? It does include everybody. I like this metaf- metaphor of a tree because you have roots. You have a trunk, a trunk, I think, trunk, one says, yes, trunk, and you have branches. And you have, it's such a nice uh, image because you have so many possibilities, but the roots, they will always be there. And if you cut the roots, the, the tree will eventually die. So you can, and it also shows that you have so many options. So I don't feel determined. And I think also other people out there, if they have uh, difficulties in their life, you're not a prisoner to the past. It might be difficult, but you always can choose different paths within a system. So it also shows that we there's maybe a higher power. I don't know whether we will call it God. Everyone calls it the way he wants to do. But I have a. I'm a I always say I'm a believer. I think there's something that maybe protects us, and within the system of a tree, we have so many options, and we can choose um, who we want to be in our life and how our life um, can be or shall be. Jennifer, we only have a few minutes left. I, I, there's something else I wanted to, to, to bring up, and it may seem anecdotal or insignificant to a number of our listeners who, please God, will pick up the book um, and get their own copies. It's completely worthwhile, and it's definitely something that every family should have and every family should read. I liked the metaphor or um, your comments about running 
Uh, as a runner, as a runner myself, I find that at the moments that I am not running or can't get myself up are probably my most unhealthy. And I know that you reference that as well when you first start taking, um, you know, the antidepressants, and you find that you are getting back to yourself in some way or another. One of the comments that you make is you start running again, and a number of times during the book, whether it's at the memorial when you notice people running by, or when you're in Tel Aviv and you're on the Tayelet and you notice that there are runners. To me, running and exercise is a symbol of, of physical and mental health and also just of clarity of mind. Did you mean it that way or am I just reading too much into it? No, there is an aspect uh, in it because when you run, so the, you come from one point to the other. And actually, it's also a nice metaphor. And the book was out, or it was published in Israel in the beginning of this year. So I was in Israel and I was running at the Tayelet, as you said, I used to before. But now I came back and I was running and it was like my, my the, the life, I could see my life passing uh, along, I was running, for example, there's a point, there's a restaurant on the beach where I was working when I was a student as a waitress. Mm. So I passed so many different spots and it was like uh, my my life passed along me, not just the Tayelet in Tel Aviv. It's, um, it, it's really... It's really quite an extraordinary, extraordinary memoir. It is an international bestseller. You are officially an internationally bestselling author. <laughs> and uh, I hope you find with that a tremendous amount of, of solace and pride because your work is really incredible. And I, e- even if I had the background and that you did, I don't know that I would have the strength to put it in writing and share it with the world. So really, kol hakavod to you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Jennifer is bye. Jennifer is also <laughs> scheduled at different uh, events in the New York area. Thursday, a week from today, April twenty third, she'll be at the Goethe Institute in New York, a thirty Irving Place. Tuesday, April twenty eighth, she'll be at the Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy at seven p.m. And on April thirtieth, she'll be at the Sid Jacobson Jewish Community Center in East Hills. If you have any questions, East Hills, New York, I should say. If you have any questions, you can email me directly. You can also go to Amazon. Again, the book is called My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me, a Black Woman discovers her family's Nazi past. Jennifer Tiga, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Let me go through the rest of the lineup so you know what not to miss and uh, our programming the rest of the day. In just a few minutes, Nahum will begin the live lunch. Again, it is Yom HaShoah, and I'm sure that, uh, uh, yeah, you can pull it up. Um, I'm sure you'll take note of the music that we have coming up in the background. It is Aryeh Kunstler's Yis Kareem, a more appropriate song I could not think of today. And as you all know, I'm a big Kunstler fan. After the live lunch, Gorf hosts The World According to Gorf here at the Stunt Show. That's at 1 p.m. Throwback Thursday is at 2. Michael Fragan hosts Spin Class at 6. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JMNAM live here on the stream. NachumSiegel.com, JMNAM.org. Do not miss the weekly update this week. Malcolm Holmline joins Nachum at about 7.40 in the morning. We present an encore of Table for Two this Friday morning at 9 a.m. of Rummy Host Saturday Night Siegel at 9 p.m. 10 p.m. Renowned speaker Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson hosts Eternal Flame. And at 11 p.m., David Lichtenstein hosts Headline Sunday morning, J.M. Sunday with Matis from 7 to 9 in the morning. I just want to pull one important line, very telling line from this song. Kunstler sings, O Father in Heaven, can you see the numbers on their arms? Please let the world continue to remember after the last survivor's gone. Yizkarem Elokeinu Litova. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Yizkarem.
Sit here silently, carry. 